0: Hi, my name is Lisa Smith-Henderson, and we're glad you're joining us again for another episode of Alma, Am I Racist? To find out more about Alma and who she was and the wonderful woman who inspired this podcast, you can go to our website, almaamiracist.com. We continue our discussion with Elka Geising. Her book is called, Can We Talk? Will I Listen? A Journey Towards the Healing Power of Dialogue, and it's Elka, E-L-K. K-E-G-E-I-S-I-N-G, and the book's available on Amazon. Elka talks about her growing up in post-World War Nazi Germany and being descendants of Nazis and what that was like, and her journey towards healing that shame and facing the truth, and then moving to South Africa and discovering in many ways that apartheid was alive and well. I left South Africa three years ago after having lived there for four years. So it was wonderful to find someone else who was white to talk about uh, their observations of the conditions in South Africa. And one of the things that I noticed, Elka, was not so much in America now, it's gotten better, but in South Africa, it's still extremely apparent is the deep fear of white people that the Africans have because Their livelihoods depend on the white people. The white people were their abusers, the violence against them. So I think some of it on even a cellular level is there. And then practically, yes, like a white person can come on to the estate that we lived on and the black African guard would let a white man get away with something that was not correct. Because they were afraid. The theme was so strong to not confront a white person, especially a white man.
1: It's not fear, it's practicality. I mean, I've had this discussion, but you know, this kind of interpretation of Black feelings, we should have a discussion with Black people. We should talk to Alma at length, or maybe Alma's children, how they feel, what, what trauma they have inherited from the role she had, or the nannies here. Yes. had. As a simple, but I mean, I know from home speaking to friends, and again, I, I'm extremely uncomfortable speaking about Black people's experience and feelings. There, we need to talk with each other.
0: Yes, good, I, good point.
1: I've heard one person say, um, How do I maneuver maintaining my dignity? I have a family that I need to take care of, I have children, I want to come home and be that dignified father to them. So when this white man is abusive to me or yells at me or wants something to keep my job, I do it. It's not out of fear. It's out of practicality. And in a way, I wish him well, because I hope I never sink to that level of, of emotional poverty. And, and I have actually, we had a maintenance manager here. He was, I, I watched the woman who supposedly runs the estate where I live because she couldn't break his dignity. She could do anything. She could there, stand with a stopwatch uh, if he was finishing his work as she thought fast enough or well enough. She was really harassing this man and he wouldn't lose his dignity. He wouldn't lose his quiet. He wouldn't yell at her, but he also wasn't fearful. Well, he lived in a space, what a poor woman that she's so full of hate and look how, how affecting her body. Look how it's affecting her family. Look how people turn away. What a, what a poor soul. He included her in his prayer. That's that's the most incredible thing. So she made him kneel in the rain, the worst of rain, at the worst coldest day, to fix some bricks for everybody to see. And uh, when it was done, he didn't get a cold. He didn't get the flu. He didn't throw anything at her. He he also wasn't hateful and condemning her. And said, "I'm leaving. What a what a horrible energy. I no longer want this, and I will trust that." God, he is a man of faith. God will guide me to a place where I am um, more respected than here. But, but, you know, Lisa, we really, maybe this leads us to being in dialogue, you and I and Alma or whoever can bring in.
0: Well, Alma has gone on to the next dimension. Uh, she, she is in heaven watching over us. But I've spoken to her son. And he remembered us being together. My parents actually let him come over when she babysat us. And he said, I remember we had popcorn. And, you know, she was there five days a week and we would take her home on Friday. And I knew I wouldn't see her till Monday. And I would say, why can't I stay? Mm -hmm. Why can't I stay? I wanted to stay with her and her Mm -hmm. family but it just wasn't done. And I didn't understand that. And I will say to this day, Elka, I still don't understand some of this, the racism, like I cannot make my brain make sense of it. Just like you can't, you see it and it's just not right.
1: No, I can understand, but I don't, I, I don't embrace it. And I actually, at this point, and maybe that's why I was so tense at the beginning of this. I think I need to what Pumla said resonates deeply in me. It's here to stay with the what can I do? And I, I think you have asked this question too. So, what, what does it take for white people to change? Uh, I don't know. Do they have to get very sick and very vulnerable? I don't see it with those who are sick that they even want to go there. They're so deeply entrenched in trying to fit into their own closed society the last thing on their mind is uh, looking at racism and becoming friends with black people.
0: And in the subtitle of your book is a journey towards the healing power of dialogue. So maybe that is, I mean, you wrote a book, you made a movie, you did, you know, presentations and here you and I are talking about it. So maybe this dialogue, it is a teeny teeny beginning.
1: It's beautiful that you are. It's really beautiful that you're doing this and and continue, and I think that's when that's where we land with our our acceptance of what we can change and what not that we do our part and if if we touch one, hopefully ten, maybe twenty, um, but at least we continue uh, being open and being uh, seeking to really hear and to really see the other person and to to reveal ourselves as honestly and with all the, including the shame and the shortcomings. I, I had lunch with uh, family and friends on my birthday. You saw picture. And the conversation, which was for me, even better than the food and the food was great. The conversation was about, so why is it that, um, and the, the executive, the women on the picture, are executive in their positions. One runs an investment company as a managing director, all white men, Africans, some some English speaking, not that much. Just a gradual difference. And why is it that constantly seek to to um, undermine? It's almost automatic that the negative comes out when I speak or walk into the room, and they try to dismantle dismantle me. And then I try to talk about white psyche, and I go. I sit there with my friends, my family. And I'm struggling for words. so I don't come out as a victim or justify white behavior, just straight to the... And it's difficult because we are not used to it. And it it takes practice and it takes a lot of dialogue practice. Let me just say one more thing. So what does it take um, for us to meet? And they said, be open. Be open to see us. Be open to hear. Be open for the possibility that we can be different than the image you have of us.
0: Wow. So, this takes me back to something in this journey of life that I'm wondering about. And some of the people I know, Black people who are doing heavy duty anti racist work and have been doing it for many, many years. It seems to be if we can put the focus on healing ourselves, owning our truth, taking responsibility for our. White privilege that we've inherited and beginning to heal, then that alone will lead us to experiences. And obviously, you've done a tremendous amount of inner psyche and spiritual work. Can you speak to that a little bit? Is it enough for us to work on ourselves and see what springs out of that?
1: Um, Yeah, a couple of things. I don't think we have a privilege. A privilege is something that is the advantage we enforce by, by means of power and, and subjugation. So I, I don't use the word privilege, I use a deliberate power structures and oppression. And the second thing, I mentioned before, this this business of wellness uh, is an eight eight billion dollar business just in the US, and it's huge here and it's growing, and a lot, a lot of white people. There are a lot of jobs to treat other white people who, who just forever and the rest of their lives will get into the home, everything is peaceful and uh, I'm making my contribution by not using plastic bags for shopping. Uh, ain't gonna work. <laughs> okay. Ain't gonna work, it's not enough, it's not good enough. And, and I hear this from, from friends. We're beyond those little droplets and trickle down. We're beyond it. it's not going to work. What my view is that if, if we don't make bigger bigger changes and, and, and we have agreed that it will not happen, there's going to be at some point that pressure cooker will blow up. And you know we have people like Malema and others who were waiting for that the war. The war, when you think of it, healing myself uh, from what? I mean, just I need to open myself to hear a, a voice of another human being that's been terribly heard by where I come from. And just to hold steady to hear that voice. Because, you know, the, other, the alternative was, by the grace of Black wisdom, we didn't have a civil war in 1994. We had a, a president who, um, um, with a lot of people, negotiated incredibly hard that we wouldn't have a civil war. And what have we, we white society, white world, what have we done to to, to deserve that generosity? Nothing. No. And, you know, I have to be very careful not to get lost in this. I need to heal myself in order to be out there.
0: But let me ask you, could you have done the work that you've gone on to do if you had never faced your own shame and pain? I did it while I was doing the work. I mean, I'm saying in the book that I being uh, being
1: in this uh, you know first in this social entrepreneurship project where and I still believe that's a way to go to talk and action. I think there's this neutral third element where you and and your black neighbor, the young black women around us or people we meet, we come together a project of creativity and whether we do we, we, we ah. music waterfall, rock garden uh, we, we start an entrepreneurial project. I saw it in Rwanda where they have you had the Hutus and the Tutsis after the, the, the genocide they were brought together, neutral entrepreneurial projects to do weaving, basket making, uh, uh, making things and starting small businesses. So while that third element brought them together, they also slowly could uh, work through the hatred to the
0: collaboration. I think we need that is, is an, an important element that we need to do here. So you're saying out of the action, we can also begin to heal.
1: I think action and and, and dialogue must go hand in hand. I I had a real identity crisis in the midst of uh, realizing the depth of racism and and my own complicity in it and how the anger and resentment rejection that came from white people when I spoke about it, I have a very frail part of holding steady against it. I'm still working on having that fearless heart to speak my truth and I don't, it doesn't matter what comes back at me. I reacted to it. Right. My crisis was, here I am again. I, I fled from this society. I couldn't handle my parents and what Germans did. I'm in the midst of it. And so instead of running again, I stayed and I went into the dialogue. So I was at the most vulnerable point. And, uh, and the healing came
0: from the engagement in faith. Ah, okay. Together with action. So, you know, the uh, saying, you know, take the action and the behavior will follow in a way that is because I belong to a book club of we have a few black people, but for the most part, it's a bunch of white women. And, you know, it's the what can we do to make things better? And sometimes I think we get so focused on what we can do that we don't look at our own part. Our own. But so I think, you know, we're all kind of in a discovery and we're all at different places on the journey. I like to talk and I like to get information from people and interview people that you have written books so beautifully like you have, and see if we can bring to light some of this. But I want to save the world, I just don't know exactly. How
1: you can save the world. I mean, you
0: <laughs> there you go. That's a good point. No, neither can I. We
1: can we cannot change the world. And and it's painful because I, I had ambitions to be one of those uh, glorious uh, changes of this, this hero women's or men's stories I've read about. But you know what we do, Lisa, you with your podcast, you reach so many people that you set a spark in me look I'm here to talk I listen to your podcast i've I've met hundreds and hundreds of people and there you stood out and in that uh, in that larger community of people who are in dialogue with each other you stood out because you you are honest about your discomfort with white superior structures and taking that for granted and so here we are and trust that there will be many others and for me it will resonate on and on and on so you're doing exactly what i think is the only way you're honest you are you're honest about that you don't deserve that superiority and take it for granted and you don't want to abuse it you want to to relate to black people as as as, as, as in in your shared humanness and our shared human yes. we'll make mistakes but we will make that effort to get there
0: yes i mean i've learned so very much and i've been very blessed to have Black friends in America and in Africa that are willing to have these talks with me. But mm-hmm. to point out, my church is, it's really an all-Black church. They're like three white people that go there. And I, we were having a talk about something. And I said, oh, when these shootings happen, we need to have like church forums. And this one woman was like, Lisa, I said, oh, it's my white privilege. She goes, we're used to this. This is new to you. But we've been living with this for years and years. And I was like, thank you. Thank you for saying that to me because I wouldn't have figured it out on my own that that was white privilege. Oh, we need to stop and acknowledge the trauma.
1: I just want to work with you on a new word, rather than privilege, but the experience of that limited judgment and projection of my, my way onto Black life and and skewed that is, that happens to me a lot too. And I'm no longer afraid uh, or feel embarrassed because I know I fall into the stereotypical behavior that that shows how insulated, that's a nice word for how taken for granted, I I take the world I live in.
0: So what is the word that you use instead? White power? Um,
1: Yeah, power, economic power, white power. White enforcement, um, white exclusivity, uh, white arrogance.
0: Well, Elka, you've given me a lot to think about, and I cannot recommend your book highly enough. It's it's very deep uh, and and very revealing, and you are so honest and open. And then to see your journey throughout the book of how you took what happened to you and your feelings as a child. Uh, growing up in post-Nazi Germany to what it's like being in South Africa post-apartheid. So the book, Can We Talk, Will I Listen? Elke Geising, uh, you are a tremendous inspiration to me.
1: Thank you, Lisa. I'm I'm so very uh, grateful that you invited me. It's been really um, a confrontation with my own past and what I haven't worked through. And you're you are very kind and very understanding. And I, I hope to find white friends like you more, that we can work together, because I think that's what we need to do. We need to find like-minded, like you yes. are, and we are, and then we can reinforce each other as we step out there working. So bless you. Thank you for uh, this.
0: Well, thank you. Meeting you has been such a gift in my life. And same here. Same yeah. Here. Right. So, I, yes, we, we do need each other and we're on the same page. And yes, one person can make a difference.
1: Yes, for sure. We're, and we, we continue. Thank you. Yes.
0: Elka Geising, the book is available on Amazon called Can We Talk? Will I Listen? A Journey Towards the Healing Power of Dialogue. My name is Lisa Smith Henderson. The podcast is called Alma, Am I Racist? I hope you uh, will subscribe to our podcast on Podbean and uh, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, The email address is almaamiracist at gmail.com and the website, should you like to know more and hear about the spirit of the wonderful woman who was Alma, you can go to our website, almaamiracist.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.